Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life, and I'm Katie Sewell. I'm a public radio professional. I've been in the business nearly 20 years, though I did do something a little different. A few years ago, I quit my job as the senior producer of a daily two-hour morning show, and I moved to Rome for a year. That's where this show began, as I bumbled my way through my first expat experience, alongside Tiffany Parks. Tiffany is my co-host. She's a childhood friend and an expat living in Rome for about 12 years. She's also a writer, with her first book, Midnight in the Piazza, coming out in March 2018. Well, now I'm back in Seattle, and Tiffany is still in Rome, and we're still exploring, and, well, if you're me at least, you're frequently struggling. This show is a journey. For all of you explorers of the world, traveling or living abroad, permanently or temporarily, reminiscing about when you lived in a different culture, or looking for the next chapter after getting home, I hope you enjoy our company and the international authors, journalists, and expats that join us as guests. If you've never heard the show before, I encourage you to go back to the beginning and come along for the whole journey. Or jump around as soon as you get a sense of things. Most of all, we're really glad you're here. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Tiffany, you're back! Yes, I'm back <laughs> in, uh, in Europe. Yeah. No longer in the States. Kind of sad, kind of relieved. Yeah. A little bit of both. Well... I yeah. feel like I don't know anything of what happened to you past when you were in Seattle. Because you would think, well, we make this show together, that I would just be up on whatever it is that you're doing as you're traveling. But no, I'm, I wasn't. Yeah. Because you had a lot of obligations. Yeah. It was a busy trip. It was not a relaxing trip. It was a great trip, but it was not a relaxing one. And so I wasn't in touch with a lot of people. I was just sort of living in the moment, living in the place. Yeah where I was. So no, it was good. It was good. Seattle was at the beginning of the trip, more or less. So yeah, so I didn't... You don't even remember that part. (laughs) I don't even remember it at all. It's a a total blur. No, we went to Boise, as you know, Mm -hmm. and Boise was, it was great in some senses. The weather was not great. We had really, really bad luck weather-wise on the whole trip. Mm. Pretty much the only place where the weather was nice was California. Oh, that's too bad. Everywhere else, it was either raining and cold, or in Arizona, it was it was like 118, 119 degrees. Oh, man. It was hellishly <laughs> hot. So we had some bad weather. I mean, it wasn't all bad, but it wasn't great. But no, it was amazing to see my family. You know, I have lots of half-sisters and lots of nieces and nephews, and now great nieces and nephews, which is super exciting. And it was wonderful. It was really wonderful to get to spend time with my family. And it definitely does. It reminds you when you come home, it reminds you what you're missing out on. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard. And I've talked about on the show before that one of the hardest things for me, that wasn't an issue for me when I didn't have a really, or it was, but it was less of an issue was the family thing and missing my family. And, you know, it was great for them to meet Aurelio. And they were, I mean, I know how it was when my nieces and nephews were born. 
I just adored them. I mean, I still adore them, but you know, especially the first few nieces and nephews that came along. And now my youngest nieces and nephew, niece and nephew, who are eight and 10, I just, you know, I just adore them. And of course I knew it would be the same for my sisters, but I didn't think about it, I guess. And so when I saw them and how happy they were to meet him and how much they adored him, it was like, oh, it's come full circle. <laughs> but yeah, but it's really hard. And I think that most expats probably struggle with it, especially once they start getting a family of their own. So it was bittersweet. It was wonderful to spend time with them. But let me just say that on this trip, with the exception of New York, because I didn't you know, I really saw just two friends in New York and I saw them both incredibly briefly, but everywhere else, it was like every single time I was leaving a place, I was very happy to be going where I was going, but I was also so sad to be leaving the people that I was leaving. That went for you and leaving you and Suzanne in, in Seattle. I, I was happy to be going to, to Boise, but I was, I was really sad to be leaving you guys. And I was really sad to leave my family there. And of course, I was sad when I said goodbye to my mom and my, my sister, my, my brother-in-law. And, you know, it was just, ah, oh, that's a thing that I think, I don't think I'll ever get over. But it's not just expats who have to deal with that, of course. People can move across the country and they still have to deal with that. But yeah, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard, man. I know. And it's hard because, too, when you leave... I mean, maybe it's like within living anywhere, but when you leave, you're really, really far away. Yeah. And it takes a commitment from your family and quite a deal of money to come see you. Yeah. You know, so it's not something that they're going to do every year. Mm -hmm. Or even we've talked a little bit about how some of your sisters are a little travel shy, too. Mm -hmm. It might not be something they do more than once. <laughs> you yeah. know, like that might be it for them. Yeah. And as a result, when you say goodbye, it's really could be for a much longer time. And same for you, too, because it's expensive for you to go see them. So it's not like you're going to go every year either. Yeah, and I have a, you know, that particular situation where my family, they're all so spread out. You know, I have a friend who's from New York, and she can just, you know, she can go to New York twice a year. I mean, it's not cheap, but it's affordable to go to New York twice a year. She doesn't have to take a big, long trip out to the West Coast. She doesn't have to go to California and Arizona and Boise, you know. She just goes to New York, and she can go twice a year and see everybody in her life. I just can't do that. I have to make these big decisions. Do I go see my mom or do I go see my dad or do I go see my sister or do I see all of them? And then how long am I going to have to stay there? And that's why it's been four years since I've been back. That's part of the reason and because of other life stuff, but just not really having the, the time, the money, the, the space, the, the lifestyle to be able to take that kind of a trip. And so it took a long time. And, and yeah, some of those people I haven't seen in years, like years, like some of my nieces and nephews. I think my ne one of my nephews I hadn't seen in like 10 years or something. Wow. I mean, that's not, like, that's not right. So he went from being a baby to like a teenager. No, he went from being like a 15-year-old to a 25-year-old, something like that. Okay. Well, that's a little less shocking than like 5 to 15, maybe. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> but it's still, and... um even more incredible than that, I have one brother-in-law, the husband of my, my second oldest sister, who's a bit of a, um, a loner. He's a cowboy, quite frankly. He's from Wyoming, and he's, he's just a cowboy. Awesome. Yeah, no, he is pretty awesome. But he's not big on the social side of everything. So he hasn't been, you know, he didn't go to my sister Monique's wedding 12 years ago, which was kind of the last time all of us sisters were together. And we were talking about it, and he's like, I haven't seen you since you were a little girl. Wow. I was like, how is that possible? He's like, yeah, I mean, maybe you were 
13, 14. Wow. I don't want that much time to go by again without seeing these people in my life, but it's so hard to make it happen. What was it like getting back on the plane to Rome then? Um, it was actually not that hard because I was so tired of traveling. I was so tired of going from place to place. I was tired of not having my own kitchen to be able to not cook for myself, but to, to like cook for my son and to know that he was going to eat what I made him. You know, it was just, he didn't have a great time eating in America. Partially just, I think he was very discombobulated because of the trip and all the traveling and partially because maybe that was the only thing that he could control. You know, he was so out of control of every other aspect of his life that that's kind of what he held on to. I'm not sure why. He's a pretty good eater, but he was a bad eater on the trip. What, what are you about to say? I was going to say he, he can be on a hunger strike in rebellion. Otherwise, he's stuck in the car seat and yeah, on your hip and all that. Yeah, stuff. he was. it was a challenge. So just that kind of stuff, like the day-to-day stuff. They're not having to live out of a suitcase because we weren't in any one place, except for maybe Arizona, really long enough to take our stuff out of the suitcases and put it in some drawers you know, just those little things. It wasn't, I wasn't really missing Rome per se. I was just missing those conveniences of being in your own home and in your own city. I was really ready for the trip to be over. I was tired of traveling. I was tired of going through security and airplanes with the stroller. It's right. not, it's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> but that said, it was very hard to leave every place just because of the people I was leaving behind. Yeah. You have no great love for Boise or for Arizona. You know, I'll be honest with you. I I always kind of roll my eyes when I think about how, oh my gosh, my dad lives in Boise. Kendra lives in Boise. My stepsisters live in Boise. And now my nephews and nieces. Why is everyone moving there? Like, what is the mystique? Well, I happen to really like end up liking Boise. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> but I, I never thought that that would happen. Yeah. Like, honestly, literally, I, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I literally turned to Claudio and I was like, should we move here? <laughs> because like everybody, everybody in my family lives there. Like, I don't know why. I mean, I guess, I mean, like I said, I don't want to say I don't know why, because that sounds, sounds rude. Boise. To... <laughs> Poor Boise. Yeah. Because I mean, it's not one of the great meccas of the United States, but it's very, very inexpensive to live there. And... You know, you can get a beautiful, beautiful, large, comfortable home in an awesome neighborhood for what it would take you to buy a small, run-down apartment in Rome. Mm-hmm. But it's not just that. It's like, I was I started counting on my fingers how many of my family members, including like the little tiny ones, like grand nieces who are two years old, but I was counting everybody, how many people in my family live in Boise, including stepbrothers and stuff. And I think I got to like 20 Wow. <laughs> it's like if I moved there, I would just have my whole family around me. Not everyone, but a lot of people. Yeah. And then I went down to LA and I was sitting around talking with my brother-in-law and he's like, man, I want to move to Boise. If your sister would do it, I would totally go there. And my mom goes, if you guys move to Boise, I'm moving to Boise. Wow. Like, Let's just all move there. <laughs> and then if you guys all move to Boise, then I'm going to have to move to Boise. You're just going to have to. Suzanne's going to have to move to Boise. Everybody's going to be moving to Boise. I know. Well, it's funny. It's, <laughs> I think that's actually what's happening because because there's just a lot of work there and it's, there's a very low cost of living. But anyway, I digress on the Boise topic. But um, <laughs> Well, what was Claudio's answer when you said that? He was like, tomorrow. <laughs> He's 
like, as long as he's in America, like, he's happy. Wow. But yeah, he would move there for sure if we had work, you know. You could find work. Yeah. Talented individuals. We could probably find work there. So who knows, you know, no one never knows what the future will bring. Boy, that's the truth. But I definitely felt when I was in LA, I was in a shopping mall. We were looking for parking. Well, we weren't there to shop. We were there because I don't know, we could like, it had a great view from the rooftop or something. We were just driving through this parking garage of this mall and the cars just went on forever forever like I honestly think it was infinite mm-hmm. and like there was no parking spots it was like everything was full and everything was full and it wasn't it wasn't even one until we got miles into this thing and my thought was just I don't want to live in a big city anymore I just don't want to live in a place that has so many people and I'm not going to compare LA to Rome because I think LA is probably five six maybe 10 times bigger than Rome with 10 times more people. But still, Rome is a big city and it's a big city for the space that it has. Mm-hmm. Everyone feels like really crammed in. Whereas LA is probably more st- spread out. I'm just kind of over the big city. And that's part of growing older, I think. Yeah. I just want to be in a small town where there's countryside nearby. Birds around creatures yeah like rivers 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 and mountains and lakes porches to sit on yeah yeah i'm totally if i could go back 20 years my 20 year old self would never believe that i would want that but i thought i would share with you a couple of my impressions on like the culture differences because you know it it has been so long since i've been back there that i kind of for so often i'm sort of like forgetting what it's even like to live in the United States. But my number one thing that I noticed over and over and over again, this is nothing that no one has ever said. Obviously, everyone has mentioned this before, but it's so true that the United States is so incredibly convenient. Ah. Everything is done and designed in a way that is convenient. From, you know, you go out to your car in the supermarket and there's a spot for your grocery cart like right there like it's just right by your car practically in Italy like you got to leave it like wait so you got to take it to your car load up your car lock your car take it all the way back like they just don't think they don't have the same like forward thinking like oh this is going to be more convenient for people if we do it this way and the same with the bag I mean I'm going back to a supermarket but they bag your groceries at the supermarket what an amazing thought in Italy, you have to do it yourself. And like, you have to be in like a rush because if you've got a lot of stuff, there's like someone coming behind you <laughs> and you're like, oh, geez, you got to get all the stuff in the bags and like they're falling apart. They're like ripping because Italian grocery bags are made of potatoes. Don't ask me how that's possible, but I they're think made. I that's cool about them, actually. It is they're cool. completely compostable plastic looking bags. It is cool, but they like rip to shreds. Like all you have to have is like one sharp corner in your groceries and your bags are going to fall apart by the time you get to the car. So it's not very convenient. It's so- true though. I though coming from a city that banned plastic bags and if you take a bag from a grocery store, you have to pay money. Where's that? Seattle. Okay. So when I was in Italy, I thought, why don't we have compostable bags in Seattle? If this is something that's already invented and everybody's already so against the plastic bag, why don't we have this? How is this like technology not crossed from, I'm sure it's in other places in Italy, but I know why is it not crossed into Seattle? I think it's all over Italy, maybe all over Europe. It's one of those odd things that you would think that Americans would have done first. Yeah, because... And not Italians. In 
hippy dippy cities like Seattle, people can't stand the plastic bag. Yeah, but I will say that in Italy, not only do you have no choice, you have to get a combustible bag or you can bring your own. Not combustible, <laughs> compostable. Compos- combustible. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's it's late where I it's am. It's probably okay? also a comp- combustible bag. <laughs> Compost- <as well. laughs> compostable. I'm sorry. Uh, cut that bit. No. So not only are they fully biodegradable, that's a better one that I'm not going to mess up, um, <laughs> but they, they charge you. They charge you 15 cents. So you're, oh, cool. you're paying on both ends. Brilliant. So that was the number one thing was just convenience. And I, when I first got to the States, I had several more examples of that. But of course, I've now forgotten because I didn't write them down stupidly. But it's just so convenient. Another huge, huge thing that I noticed was... If you go out to breakfast in the United States, and I don't mean like a full-on sit-down breakfast with pancakes and eggs and bacon, and I'm not talking about the true American breakfast. I'm talking about going into a coffee shop, whether it be Starbucks or Vivace or Pete's or Tully's or whatever, any of those sort of chain coffee shops, but not just the chains, also the independent coffee shops. We would go in. Cloudy would get himself either an American coffee or a cappuccino. I would get a tea and we would get like three croissants. And it would always be between 15 and 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Every time, every time. New York, it was closer to 20. By the time we were in Arizona, it was like closer to 15. But every single time, this same breakfast in Italy would cost mm, five bucks probably. Yeah. I mean, your espresso is going to be like euro. Your tea might be two euros, maybe three if it's a fancy place. Well, the why tea costs more than espresso, I don't know. It doesn't seem right because it's just a tea bag. And your cornetti are going to be like 60 to 80 cents each. It's ridiculous, ridiculous. And it's going to be way better. And of course, there are plenty of things that are better in the United States. I'm not saying that Italy's better for everything, but for that they are. Yeah. I would just be like... Another $20 on this crap breakfast. <laughs> Joe, you should go to a real sit-down breakfast at that point. Yeah, you might as well. Yeah, you could probably both have like pancakes and eggs for uh, 25 bucks. Yeah, you might as well. So that was another big thing that I noticed. I was like, breakfast is too expensive. And okay, the first cities that we went to were Seattle and New York. Mm. But I just felt like, oh my gosh, going out to eat is so expensive here. Yeah. Every single place we went, and we were going to like really like cash places. We weren't going to anything fancy, but every single place we went, 80 bucks. Yeah. 80, 100. For, we weren't even drinking alcohol because we don't, we don't really drink. I mean, not unless we're sort of in, at a party or something. And again, Italy, you know, you can go out and yes, you can find expensive restaurants in Italy, but you can go to a really good casual, like family run place with really fresh, really good food for like 10 bucks a person. If you don't get alcohol, 10, 12 bucks, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was another thing that I noticed. You know, now I'm sort of blanking on the other things, but, but those are the main two things. Yeah. And I thought about you a lot because I thought about when you came and you had so many impressions of things that were different well you had some too where you were like notice what the size of the glasses are oh yeah the size of the cup big there's always ice (laughs) there's always ice in your water I don't want ice in my water I don't want like a mouthful of tiny ice cubes I just want cold water would you have wanted ice cubes in your water 10 years before moving to Italy 
You know, I don't know. I don't remember. That was like ancient history now, so I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. But I was wondering, and I don't have an answer to this, but I was wondering if if expats who've been expats for a long time and are kind of used to going back and forth, if they don't notice those differences as much as you would the very first time you go back after the first your first experience abroad and you, you, you go a year and then you go back... I think your impressions are going to be really strong. As opposed to me, I've been here almost 13 years. I'm used to kind of going back and forth. And I feel like I adapt really quickly. Yeah, you stop making the comparison. Did you listen to last week's episode? I know. Yeah, of course I did. Lori Lee. Lori Lee, yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. Well, how she talks about that one of the ways that you become a successful person who moves a lot is that you stop trying to compare one place to the other. That's very wise. I have not learned that yet. <laughs> no, I'm terrible at that. Yeah. <laughs> I can go on a trip and I, next week I'm going to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I'll be in Hawaii and I'll be like, well, it's not done like this back home. I'm yeah, there's sure. no like palm trees and scent of gardenia back in Seattle. Where is the cereal I usually buy? <laughs> you know, They don't sell it down here? Oh, that's then, another thing. I thought of another thing. So we went to the supermarket to get some, you know, basic provisions. I think this was in Boise, so we had access to a kitchen. So we were buying, you know, (laughs) of course, pasta, (laughs) trying to get my son to eat something. That's kind of a a pretty good standby for him. And we go into the pasta section, and we're in one of those big supermarkets with, like, everything. And I swear to you, the spot where the... First, I couldn't find the pasta. I'm, like, looking for the pasta aisle. I'm like, where's the pasta aisle? Because in Italy, there's a pasta aisle where all they sell is pasta. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't find the pasta aisle. And finally, I, I asked someone, and she's like, oh, it's down there on the left. And I went down, and it was probably, like, two yards wide. Maybe. Maybe. Probably less. Mm-hmm. It was all, like, barilla. Mm-hmm. All of it. And it was just, you know, like, your basic basic like they had some fusilli which was good but then I would go to like buy a box of cereal and I go to this cereal aisle and I'm telling you as you know like the cereal aisle goes on forever I'm like how many types of cereal can actually exist in one place in one country because in Italy the cereal aisle is like the size of the pasta aisle in in America yeah you know there's like maybe 10 or 12 choices yeah if that if that yeah so that was another big thing that I noticed did you notice how much cereal you could purchase that didn't have flakes of chocolate in it I did not because in Italy every single type of cereal has flakes of chocolate in it (laughs) practically (laughs) there's like one cereal in Italy that you can have that does not have some sort of sugar bomb chocolate is it called nice morning Yes, that's, nice morning. Yep, that's the it, one I get. I know. That's the only one I ate when I was there, too, because it's like the only cereal that doesn't, isn't like a dessert. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Italians think that having dessert for breakfast is normal. It's a good thing. Yeah. So I know. who knows where that came from, but they like their sweets for breakfast. Did you also notice that when you tried to get pasta that you couldn't get any other kind of sauce besides tomato-based or Alfredo sauce? Um, I don't think I noticed that because I will admit, full disclosure here, we went out for Italian food twice on this trip, which I didn't plan to do. But the first time was out of desperation in New York because I could not get my son to eat. And I was like, we have got to find an Italian restaurant now. (laughs) And we went to a pretty good place in Chelsea called Le Zie. And 
mine was really good. And I can't remember what was in it. I think it was not tomato based and it was not Alfredo. So, but that's New York. They are a little bit more international. No, I mean, if you were going to buy sauce in the store. Oh, I'm sorry. I understood going out to eat pasta. No, going out, you can find stuff. But if you're going to cook it for yourself, there's nothing. There's no option. Well, Katie, you know, you're supposed to make sauce from scratch. <laughs> right. That's not how we do it here in America, Tiffany. <laughs> some people do. Some people do. My sister does. My sister makes everything from scratch. She's, she's one of those types of cooks. Yeah. By the way, I got to give a shout out to one of our listeners. Who's that? Kay. So Kay, after hearing our cooking episodes and hearing about my struggle to actually cook for myself and not just eat apples and uh, lunch meat out cereal? Of, and cereal out of the fridge <laughs> met me the other day and gave me a pressure cooker oh with a couple cookbooks oh. and it was encouraging me to try that so i'm gonna try it cool i had to promise her i would try it that's such <laughs> so a nice that is it. so nice it was nice it's really nice thanks Kay. i have a pressure cooker and i don't use it i have a rice cooker as well that i've never used I'm bad. I don't really picture you eating rice, but okay. Pardon? I said I don't picture you eating rice. I don't feel like I've ever seen you eating rice. But. <laughs> I, I want to try to eat rice. I want to be a person who eats rice. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Instead of just a person, because I feel like it's healthier than pasta, which is what I live on. <laughs> anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt your story, though. The second Italian place you went to was with us. Yes, it was. And that was good, too. I found that that was good, too. It was pretty I can't good. remember what I had, but it was good. I think I had, can I think I had cannelloni. Yes, it was very good. Cannelloni with chicken, which you, there would never be chicken in cannelloni in Italy. But, hey, it was good. I liked it. I'm not a, I try not to be too much of a purist when it comes to Italian food because I think that kind of just takes the enjoyment out of it. Obviously, there's certain things you just can't do. There are certain limits to that. Like putting broccoli in with pasta. Yeah. If it's like red sauce, yes, you wouldn't do that. You might be able to get, get away with broccoli and pasta if it's like not red. I feel like there's something in the world called Tex-Mex cuisine, right? Yeah. It's great. It's right. It's delicious. Everybody loves Tex-Mex and nobody's sitting around saying, this isn't authentic Mexican food because it's, it is its own thing, right? And I think that that's the same with Italian American food or I should say American Italian food. Like it's not 100% authentic, but it can still be really good. So just, you know, take it for what it is. Right. Exactly. Now, Claudio, last time you guys came to the States, I remember he was most impressed with how wide open the roads were. Yes, he <laughs> loves that. Does that hold true or does he have different impressions that he was sharing with you? We didn't really talk about it, but I'm sure he still enjoys that. We did a lot of driving in, uh, in LA and in the ocean what is it oc what does that stand for orange county okay <laughs> we went down to huntington beach and on our way back we got caught in traffic going into la like rush hour traffic and it was a nightmare yeah you know we think of italian traffic as bad and italian traffic can be bad but there is i don't think there is anything in the world like los angeles traffic it's just I mean, it's just something else. And it just goes on and on and on and on because the city is so huge. So that wasn't very pleasant. But again, if we ever were to move to America, it would not be to LA. But this trip, just to not get my hopes up, did not spur any kind of actual conversation about you two moving. 
nothing like serious. We did talk about moving to Boise, as I said, and we all, we obviously went through our fantasy of coming and living in with my mom three months a year, which will shortly be impossible because as soon as Aurelio is in school, we won't be able to just be like, okay, let's go from December to February. Sweet. When it's hot there and it's cold here. Once your kid is in school, unfortunately, you can't do that kind of thing. So right. that's not really an option. But, you know, nothing, no, nothing really serious. But I thought you were moving here. Hello. <laughs> well, we'll get to that in one second. Did you feel more lonely coming back to Rome, having been surrounded by so many family members for so many weeks? Or was it kind of like that delightful quiet of getting home? Like I said, it was kind of good to come home and be a little bit more tranquil and a little bit quieter for a while. It was nice. I have to, this is not, I have anything to do with what you just asked me, but just kind of popped into my head when I was imagining that first day. We got into Rome at about noon. We unpacked. We went over to my mother-in-law's for lunch, for a big late lunch. And my son practically licked his plate. Like he ate every single piece of pasta on that plate. <laughs> he ate everything. I don't know what the meat course was, but he ate it all. And I was like, what the hell? Like, is the food really that much better here? Or is, is he just happy to be home? I don't know. Yeah. But it was so funny. It was kind of like, oh, thank God. Like, thank God I'm home. <laughs> I love that. He's definitely not an American eater. Well, you know, he's just not used to that yet, but he could change. Well, I am update from me. I will not be moving to Rome in September. I'm sorry to say. No. Well, <laughs> I kind of knew that, I mean, it wasn't going to be September because, I mean, hello, we're in... You feel like you would have known about that by now. <laughs> yeah. I had a feeling that at least if it ha was going to happen, it wasn't going to happen right away. Yes, that's true. So, no. So, I will be staying in Seattle through September. My sister's getting married. Did I tell you that? You did tell me that. And when's that happening? That's happening at the end of September in Puerto Vallarta. Oh, nice. I know. So maybe we'll record an episode from me in Puerto Vallarta. Yeah. We should see like how many countries we can record in. Yeah, that would be fun. Where at least one of us is in the other country. Well, I'll be in Hawaii next week. We could kind of call that a different country. Not really. No, you can't call that a different country. Hawaii is a state, my love. And you know that. I know, but it hasn't been a state for that long. Yeah, but I just, this makes me think about whoever it was. Was it Mitch McConnell who said, how is it possible that some island out in the Pacific thinks that they can stop the president's ban or travel ban? Remember that? Do you remember that? I don't remember that. Yeah, I, I don't want to misquote. I don't want to misquote because it might not have been Mitch McConnell, but I think it was. You know, he called Hawaii some island in the Pacific. And a lot of Hawaiians were very upset about that. Because <laughs> they said, we are just as American as you are. Uh, yeah, okay. So we won't call them another country. But so I'll be there and then I'll be in Puerto Vallarta. But I have been, as you may or may not know, I don't know, but feeling a little stuck artistically mm. lately like I need some sort of change to shake it up mm -hmm. a little bit to get inspired again breath of fresh air new experience what have you so I have decided that I'm flying from Puerto Vallarta to New Orleans and I'm going to live there for the month of October you're gonna live there for a month that is so cool yeah so we'll have a whole New Orleans chapter of this show <laughs> coming up oh my gosh that's exciting I know 
I know. So I just sort of decided that while you were away, and I booked a one-way ticket from Puerto Vallarta to New Orleans. So I'm planning on leaving New Orleans on November 1st to come back to Seattle. But who knows? Just in case I end up feeling like it's the right spot. It's a little open-ended. And also because, as Derek suggested, and this was a cool idea, he's like, depending on what mindset you're in, you might feel like you want to take the train back rather than uh, fly home. So I only bought it a ticket in one direction and then we'll figure out how to get back well that is so that is so unlike you and that's so cool <laughs> i mean it's unlike your old self it's like you know your new more daring self that you've become since becoming an expat so i'm constantly trying to force myself to do things that i don't want to do so so no. you don't no, did, wa- you no. don't want to do this no i do <laughs> <laughs> but that's not to say that i don't have any reservations about it of course sure. of course i still don't have a place to live yet okay for that month i'm still looking around i kind of have a mental picture in my head how i want to structure the days that i'm down there because i do want to do some work but i also want to try to do as much writing as i can and i want to spend kind of structure it like i did when i was in rome where you know i spend a good deal of the time wandering and following things that inspire me unexpectedly and trying to learn more about whatever that is mm-hmm. so i'm hoping to do that and then yeah see where it takes me and hopefully we'll open up some sort of new discovery what made you choose new orleans out of all the cities in the united states two things One, I've always felt whenever I went to visit New Orleans, which was basically for a night here and there a few different times, I always felt like this seems like a place I might like to live. Mm. I have absolutely no evidence that it would be a place I'd want to live. And I have no idea of what it would be like to live there because I've only ever been there for one or two days at a time. What is it about that place that made you think you'd want to live there? One, it's one of the... Have you been there? No, I haven't. I have not been there. It's one of the prettiest cities in America, in my opinion. It's very historic. It's very French looking. It kind of looks like a... Parts of it, not all of it, but parts of it look very much like a European city, but it's in the United States. Okay. So it's got a beauty factor to it. But also when I was thinking about places that you could go in the United States that would have a strong artistic influence and a very distinctive voice artistically... It's unique into itself. It has its own sound. It has its own visual art. It has its own food. It just stands alone as a city that's doing kind of its own thing. That is true. And it's also full of, um, it's full of artists because it's cheaper there. Mm-hmm. And it's getting more expensive, but historically it was quite cheap. And so a lot of artist types flowed into it over time and put down roots there. And so there's a lot of different musicians and visual artists and performers and all sort of bundled together in their own neighborhoods. Do you have any contacts there? I have one. Well, that's one is better than none. (laughs) My friend Dante, he's a performing magician. Wait, did you pick his name? Yeah, I picked his name. I think we talked about that on the show, right? (laughs) We did talk about it on the show. Yeah. Dante the magician. Dante the magician. So he lives there and he's trying to help me find a place to live. And so far, the best thing he's discovered was me living in an airstream around the corner from his house. There you get a what? So I might be living in a camper. Oh, in a camper. Mm. But we'll see. Would you be comfortable living in a camper? I don't know. That's why I haven't (laughs) said yes yet. Do they have like Craigslist? I'm sure they have Craigslist down there. They do, but it's still a little too far away right now. Yeah. Because we're recording this in July, October is far enough down the road what about airbnb or is that too expensive for an entire month um it's about 1500 to 2400 is what i'm finding for airbnb Mm -hmm. 
which is pretty expensive. And I'm trying to get in particular neighborhoods. And so far, I haven't found anything that's quite right yet. But I'm hopeful and optimistic. And if I have to live in an Airstream, that's cool. All the better. Won't that be fun for you all to hear about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just some, one of those other things like you can throw out there at parties to like impress people. Right. Yeah. I lived in an Airstream in New Orleans for a month. Yeah. Well, like, that's what I, I always, I lived in a tent on the beach in the Bahamas for a month. See? Like I'm seriously proud of that fact. I mean, that sounds cooler, arguably, but. Well, they both sound pretty cool. I think they both sound pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, with a story like that, people are going to get the total wrong impression about what I'm actually like. You're going to be like, wow, she's so bohemian and experimental. You'd be like, oh, no, she had to talk about it on an expat podcast for three and a half years before she got up the guts to do something like hey, that. Hey, don't sell yourself <laughs> short. Come on. Just the fact that you're considering it is more than what a lot of people would do. I'm not considering it. I have a one-way ticket to there. I have to make it work No, somehow. I mean I mean the camper part. <laughs> oh, that I'm going to, oh, the Airstream, yeah. Well, it's air-conditioned. And it's got a kitchenette. Oh, well, there you go. There <laughs> so, you go. Yeah. Well, anyway, we should probably leave it there. Do you have any final thoughts? We'd certainly missed having you on the show. I don't know if you noticed how much I stretched out those episodes that we recorded. <laughs> <laughs> they were, I had so much fun listening to, and I shouldn't admit that I enjoy listening to my own podcast so much because it's kind of like, you know, saying it's kind of like reading your own diary. It's like, who would admit to doing it? But because it was you two, it was just great to just listen to those episodes. It was like we were together again. It was fun. Yeah, it, it was, was fun, fun for us. So if you haven't listened to episodes arrival one and two and suzanne one and two check those out because they were seriously fun to record and hopefully fun to listen to too yeah they were fun they were fun i had to do some serious editing on some of those though did you (laughs) man i was hoping that it would be easier for you because we were in the same room it's always easier when we're in the same room but it's definitely also easier when we don't drink that much (laughs) Ah, well that was the only time we've ever had anything to drink i know while we were taping i know I know. A bad influence of Suzanne Morrison. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> and the celebration of you coming to town. Aw. Well, hopefully it won't be four more years. No, I'm going to be in Seattle in March. You know that. Do I? Did I know that? I thought you knew that. Oh, well, that's fair enough. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to do some sort of live show together. Ah, we should. <laughs> Midnight in the Piazza is coming out in March, March 6th. So I'm going to be in Seattle to do a little bit of promotion for it a little mini book tour great am i going to interview you for that sounds good you might uh, suggest it to your publicist you know i interview authors on stage around this neck of the woods um okay <laughs> i will do that it's kind of like part of my job i will do that <laughs> <laughs> all right okay and until next time this is the bittersweet life i'm katie sewell i'm tiffany parks join us again bye you've been listening to the bittersweet life with katie sewell and tiffany parks If you'd like to support the podcast, find the donate link at our website, thebittersweetlife.net. All donations are used exclusively for the creation of audio content, and every donor receives a handwritten thank you note. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at BittersweetPod and on Facebook at The Bittersweet Life Podcast. Write us a review and tell your friends about it so we can reach more expats, future expats, repats, travel lovers, and armchair adventurers like you. Thank you.